Hello, Prashat. Really, really good to have you here. I'm super excited for the conversation we're going to be having today. Um, have high hopes and uh, just going to have fun in general. Um, and so with that being said, uh, Prashat, hi. So we'll just uh, put you on the spot for a few seconds real quick. Nothing too crazy. If you don't mind, uh, just coming up and uh, giving us your name and introducing yourself basically to, our, to the audience. And, um, you know, we'll take you from there. Yeah, sure. I'm uh, happy to do that. So I believe most of you know, um, my name is Prashant. I'm currently working as co-founder and CEO of Spheron. Um, we are building tools to bring next million developers to the Web3 infrastructure tech stack. So that is what we are going to do, uh, trying to do at Spheron. Coming to my experience expertise, been into this space for more than three years, being the hackers, uh, seen my journey from becoming a Web3 hacker as a dev and then converted myself as a under management and a CEO and all those, this side. So it's a circle complete, which I have done in my career. Uh, before that, I have been working with uh, corporates and in the Web2 world, worked with very good names out there and have a pretty good infrastructure knowledge and understanding uh, around the infrastructure. So yeah, that is uh, what uh, my experience is. Awesome, that's pretty cool. So so you do have some engineering um, experience slash perspective, which should be very interesting as we talk about, you know, which will lead to my next question, really, uh, which I think they intertwine is um, the why behind Spheron. I guess, I suppose it could be from an engineering pain you shared. You know, you could talk to us about that. Yeah. Um, why Spheron? Because we had a Spheron when we came into the space of Web3. Um, this entire Web3 concept of having the internet, which is going to be owned by the people and governed by the people, um, it is kind of a broken. And that point of time also it, is, it was broken, even today also it is broken. A lot of dirty secrets out there, which most of the people are afraid to talk about, is like a lot of, I, I believe like 54% or 60% around nodes of Ethereum currently running on AWS. Just imagine one day if, uh, AWS decides to shut down all those nodes or just imagine some someday something is going to happen and and some due to some regulations they might switch off the plug of the certain regions in the AWS and 60% of the nodes will be gone. Um, and it is just one provider. There are a number of other providers and place providers who are still accessing those uh, are garnering those benefits. Now, the question comes is like, um, basically most of the folks say like, okay, these, these things have been run by the people. But when when you talk about decentralization, it is an end-to-end decentralization. It's not like half decentralization and half not, right? Um, if you're running a server, run it on a decentralized ecosystem and, and, and let, the, let, let it pay to the a person who is providing you that infrastructure in some other place uh, across the globe, right? So that is how it all started. And then um, we started our journey with the UI decentralization first because we personally feel that Spheron is, there are, three major security leakage in any of the smart contract or you can say in any of the chains on the EVM side. The first is where your smart contract, second is Oracle and the third is user interface. Smart contract and Oracle has been dealt very well over time, but we have also seen like a couple of broke, uh, uh, broke scenarios in which uh, in the recent incident when Link uh, did not respond to the bill, and uh, a couple of people got saved because of the liquidity. Uh, they did not got liquidated because of that uh, delay in the response. Um, so those were like pretty well battle tested. But front end being the uh, one source, single source to 
go which basically focuses the uh, user just imagine a fine day one founder or one team member of the founding team who has the control of a repository goes and changes the smart contract address to from x to y Uh, and just imagine the um, risk you are going to be bringing on the user interface side, and that is where Istron comes into the picture. And and one of the use cases, as Istron, Istron is a ecosystem, but uh, one of the use cases of Istron is to solve this issue. And we are doing it from ground to up, and we have been building that solution for the past two point five years now. Awesome. So, oh. Yes, yeah, do go on if you have more to say. Apologies. No. So that that is it. That is what uh, why Istron. Uh, even Istron is going to be bringing a lot of other. tools and all those things why a lot of nft gated access and so there are a couple of more things which are coming on the way so yeah so this is why sphereon is okay awesome awesome um that makes a whole lot of sense considering the fact that uh, someone can practically wake up one day or you know monopolize the entire um tech infrastructure with centralized services it makes sense that things are decentralized and uh, i do agree with that and um i do know this this next question you know next inquiry sort of answers what you sort of already answered that in the previous question but from a much more functional standpoint you know it begs to ask the question as to why what is the utility you could say to deploying um dapps into a decentralized cloud service right besides besides avoiding monopoly and avoiding the ability of things to get easily uh what would you call it um held together by one service right what other utility are there to hosting dapps on a on a decentralized network so the benefit which you get is apart from like what you have said is the immutability of the data or the web application uh, the second the second is the censorship resistant uh, uh, what exactly that both means is like immutable which means like let's say i hosted my application i have shared my transaction has to the people or the community members mm-hmm. and what they can do is they can either either they can just go and open that transaction has and they should be able to see the user interface coming up right and mm-hmm. and if somebody modify somebody tries to modify that static app or web app whatever it is hosted on the recent infrastructure mm-hmm. a small modification or even a space mm-hmm. will create mm-hmm. a change totally different transaction has right uh so that is something which really adds a value and this becomes a very high level use case for the defi based applications for nfts uh the reason being because um if you see today uh, as i was talking about earlier right uh, anyone can change that so if anyone can change that which means like the risk of uh risk risk to the user basically is is pretty much high right so that is where it it, it adds more value Uh, on top of it and then at this feron we have also built a system in which using which a user can validate their uh, user interface if if it is getting served on a domain so for example xyz.com is serving z index or or z hash right then um, a user can just install that extension into their browser and and on via uh, repository verification mechanism which we have built um what it is going to do is like it is going to verify if that xyz.com domain is serving the z hash or not if it is not then it just tells you like it is not verified we are not rolled out yet for the public but it's still in the beta and if some, if somebody is interested can uh, hop into our server and we'd love to walk you through that that is the first part the second part is the censorship resistant just imagine a case or tomorrow um uniswap.org or even the dap list even your site even my site is for under network like can be uh, censored at any point of time if government and entity decides 
to ban cryptocurrency. Let's let's say let's take a very classic example, right? Are we really going to shut down our doors for the people? Uh, no, so most likely no, right? Uh-huh. Because because it's a community which we have built, and community has to leave no matter where exactly it is. Either uh-huh. it is in a in a single room or it is a, in a bigger hall, right? But if one person is the right? So that is where uh-huh. it comes into the picture, and and since it's a resistant help. Uh, people to spin up the web application even though if it is taken down they can they can use that hash and put it from the nearest nodes and they should be able to see those things up. Uh, that's pretty insightful so the immutability of data in itself is it's a good enough reason to ditch centralized services and, and get dApps on the on the decentralized network that's that's pretty cool that is pretty cool definitely be um exploring those options as soon as possible so i'm curious right i'm just really curious how you think if there is a world that exists where centralized services and decentralized services sort of meet in the middle right um as it pertains to let's say um downtime slash um backup say a centralized service or a decentralized service or a centralized service relying on a decentralized service as a backup. Obviously, not intentionally. This is more so from a, a consumer perspective. But bottom line is both of these networks working together to avoid um, downtime and all of that stuff. See, uh, that can be done. Uh, Just to understand this, you have to understand Web two and Web three first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Web two and Web three is like two parallel lines. If you if you if you if you go and draw two parallel lines, which never meets in the infinite. Which we call in the mathematical terms, but uh, they meet in the infinite infinite uh, time after later. Uh, if you keep on keep on doing that, um, so it is it is like that. So in reality, um, if you are going to use Web three, if you're building a Web three product or Web three things, right? Uh-huh. Uh, it's mandate and it's mandatory to support the Web three ecosystem infrastructures or take a stack or whatnot. The reason being because the Web three infrastructure is designed to secure Web3 infrastructure, right? They're not designed to secure Web3 infrastructure. The reason being because Web2 is already unsecured. Day in and day out, your your voice has been your voice has been recorded by Alexa, or if you are a house, if you are in in house, your voice might be recorded by Alexa. If you are in using Android phone or, or Apple phone, you will your voice is again being recorded because Siri is there and 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 then Google takes that data, process it, and then show you that shows you the ad, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not a it's not a matter of like it, we have a we do we really want to have two systems sitting around. Or do we have one system sitting around? So my analogy goes is like if we are building at this stage where we are, like at Esperon we are, we personally believe like combining these two systems in a very sophisticated fashion can give us a very flawless result, right? And mm-hmm. that is where we we feel like the right mixture is going to uh, help both the worlds to sustain and to grab the value from the market. Mm-hmm. But but there are a few things which. Web three native should be uh, on the Web three native side rather than till the time Web three is not very ready enough to handle lot of loads on the user interface or data pipelining system and whatnot. By that time, till the time Web two and Web three combination will work uh, flawlessly. Till uh, just just it, the mixture should be very right and perfect, or else it will be like havoc. So if I get you correctly, you're saying until Web three becomes very very self sufficient. We might still need Web two services, right? Is that correct? No. If I'm saying, yeah, till the time Web Web three becomes um, right, uh, but let the time come. 
and uh, mm-hmm. if that happens then with three self sufficient to uh, handle most of the things uh, cool so um until then there will be an almost even necessary that we collaborate quotes in quotes obviously that we collaborate with web2 services to enable and facilitate um the development in in web3 but when scalability and mass adoption happens then web when web3 does become self sufficient it isn't the case that we require these web2 services and then we are able to build independently of them and then scale um moving forward right yeah awesome cool so um wondering what you could say are um limitations with decentralized services right what 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 perhaps are the limitations to deploying to a decentralized cloud network you could answer that question in two ways well one would be as a general decentralized decentralized network and in sphere in particular if any um and how is it any different or compared to a traditional deployment um so if i compare with this firm there is no as such very big differences the only difference comes into picture like when a user will start seeing and they have to select like where exactly they want to host their application like filecoin or bpinata cir or where exactly they want to uh which they have never seen in in web2 world right because in web2 uh either aws or virtual on all these guys are managing their logistics and user okay. just goes and says hey you know what just launch the application but in uh, in web3 you have to choose where exactly you want to right um and and web3 is a like uh, web3 should give people an option to choose where they wish to go mm-hmm. so that is the uh, different that is first difference the second difference they will start seeing is they have to connect the wallet metamask right uh and if they are not connected with the metamask uh, most likely they will be able to use the freemium but not premium right mm-hmm. um so that is where the difference comes into the picture and then the rest remains the same there is no difference like you have automation here you have automation there mm-hmm. uh, you have a log reporting here there you have a log operator reporting there you have a team member onboarding here mm-hmm. both the places are the same mm-hmm. so these are the two major differences and then uh, again if you are on web3 you by default will be getting the two additional advantage the censorship mm-hmm. and the immutability cool so they are technically a bit more advantage running on a decentralized node as opposed to doing the traditional route because like we already talked earlier um your your data is left vulnerable and someone can just wake up one morning feeling a very interesting mood and like yep i'm taking this whole thing down with me yeah yeah so yes that is that is what well, that is one of the one of quite important reason when you do think about it because when it comes to it if you do not have control over your data you do not have control or um um ownership in particular over what you're building then you might as well not bother uh figuratively speaking cool so um you know this one is a very fairly similar um um question that I'm curious about how does deploying to a decentralized cloud in this case feron how does it particularly ease the hassle of web3 developers and builders how is this simpler and easier because i i'm going to assume that whatever is being built from here on out is in it was with the intent to simplify developers life if you will is to simplify is to get you from 0 to 1 as quickly as possible and then scale even more quickly as possible right so we have all the documentation in line that is first thing where a developer can go and check it out but mm-hmm. i can challenge on this is just go and fork any react or angular or next or any of the open source projects if you are not mm-hmm. if you are if you are not a dev i'm talking about um and but you just know how to fork the projects uh, of mm-hmm. open source 
um, and then just log into this Firon via just 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 come to us. We'll give you the NFT. Just go and log into the Firon, um, and I can bet on this. You'll be able to you as a non-dev or a person or anyone who is will be logging into that as a non-dev will be able to launch their first fully decentralized web application with hardly around three to four clicks max. Depending on if they are if they are doing it first time, it will take them four clicks. If they are doing it second time, it will it is going to take them three clicks. And this is how easy it is. And then if you are if you want your team members, your other folks, what on what new agencies, what not, you can do that. With again, with some few clicks, that's it. That's uh, a, a very bold claim, <laughs> I'll say. Um, obviously, I know you've done your homework and you've you know you've you've cleaned up the tech as as much as you can, um, and that's really good to know. It's really good to know that we we as developers can move from zero to one in as quick of a time as possible. So you know what informed what um, informed that decision? What were the driving forces behind behind making? All of the steps as easy or as seamless as possible. Uh, the the reasons for like like for all the folk like who are building the Web three, it's like Web three is so complex. Everyone was talking mm-hmm. about Web three is so complex. But mm-hmm. the moment you mix Web three and the Web two in a very certain mixture, um, you will get a very good UI UX. You can also build a very interesting UX interface or UI interface on whatever you wish to right for user experience. So if we are talking about onboarding the next, as I said, like during our during my starting, I said I, we are Spheron, we are targeting, we are going to onboard the next million developers into the Web3 infrastructure tech stacks. Mm. And how exactly we'll be able to do it if we if we are building a very complex product and nobody no, nobody likes complexities. Everyone mm-hmm. everyone loves to go and and use the un, very very clean and simpler and sophisticated applications. Right? Even today. If I give you a task management system, or, or let's say to host a Twitter space re- requires you to spin up a node and then connect yeah. with that node and then come back on this and then in- send the link, are you really going to do that? Most likely, mm. no. So that is something which Atisphere we do. Even today, Atisphere we have abstracted out the complexity so much like you can you go and launch on Filecoin within few clicks, which is not possible even. Uh, you can just go and I can challenge on this. No, no one can do that. What we are doing on RB the same thing. On Pinata, the same thing. The Saya, the same thing, um, and and coming other providers as well. So, next million developers. That was our target, and we designed our user interface to make sure that that happens. Awesome, awesome. It's good to know that um, we're thinking into all of this step. Even though you know, um, I think the the, the solution, the problems Ferran is solving is is to simplify the lives of of developers, which is one of the interesting things you said that I do think is quite important that we as even Web3 developers and, and, and Web3 enthusiasts sort of address while we've solved, if you will, the problem of, of onboarding developers and simplifying the process. How exactly are we working towards solving solving um, entry-level enthusiasts, right? So Web2 natives coming into Web3, you know, still having to figure out MetaMask, still having to figure out Rainbow, still having to um, figure out all of these interesting signing of a transaction, understanding gas fees, um, and all of those interesting stuff, you know. I do think as we simplify the lives of developers, you know, how we're working towards simplifying the lives of consumers or just enthusiasts in general. Yeah, so, so that's like the thought I'm throwing out if you want to like talk about it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so, so if, if you see this, it's, it's everywhere, right? Um, simplification is the key to success in any business. Um, either it is Web2 or Web3 is not different. The only difference is, is like here, things works on the community side. 
for us, the thought process initially was is to uh, provide our Web3 users first and allow them to access the Web3 infrastructure at least and then bring on the Web2B. Uh, that, that was our initial intention. Uh, mm-hmm. But as we started growing, we realized one thing is like, if Web3B folks are liking it and they are becoming more comfortable, why can't we just optimize that process more so that Web2 folks should also be liking it, right? Uh-huh. And then we went ahead and do that. And now today we are at a stage where there is no difference between Web2 and Web3. So if you are a Volcel okay. user, or if you're a Netlify user, you can still go and use this Sphere on in the same way as you use versus Netlify. Uh, so that is the that is the that is something which we have uh, bridged up uh, the entire gap, and we feel like bringing Web two users in the Web three is is way more important uh, because Web three users are already Web three now, and the developers are already Web three now. So the the next 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 tranche of a million developers, if they don't come here, there is no application which is going to get built. And there is no internet what we have promised and what we have signed up for, right? Uh, so that is that is where we are trying to add value in. Awesome, interesting. Um, you know, you did you did actually sort of answer one of my next questions, which would be, you know, obviously we just talked about what we talked about, but which will be, um, how does <clears throat> Spheron is this beneficial to just Web three developers, right? And you simply, you know, you addressed it. You said you're working towards yeah. onboarding, or you know, it's, yeah, the 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 operation between. If the similarities rather between like Netlify users, people who, who use Netlify, and then you know moving or pivoting to Spheron is just going to be as easy as ABC. So yeah, that's good to know. That's really good and encouraging. That whoever um, you know has been used to deploying apps to a Web two service, um, you can hear this now. Um, Spheron is just as easy and just as convenient. All right, so um, I'm wondering, um, is there anything else that you'd like to specify regarding the technicalities and like working on Sphere and under the decentralized cloud? Like, what were, what are some of the things you 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 enjoy talking about about Spheron that you know you can just share with us? So the thing which I really enjoy talking about at Sphere is the simpler approach. Um, like we, the first approach we talk, which which we have taken at Spiron is called three-step deployment process, right? Connect, configure, and decentralize. Um, and if you see in your in your life, uh, in your day-to-day activities, you most likely end up in completing your everyday task in three steps, right? Either either going for a brush or eating, going for eating food, or doing whatever you 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 do in a day-to-day life, right? And we really incorporated that into the user interface side, in the UX side. Mm. Um, so that really, I, I talk a lot about like what we have done at Sphiron. And then as a Sphiron team, we always believe in adding the value no matter what where the market is, right? Mm. We have been building this product for a very longer time. And we have seen a couple of beer markets and seen a lot of founders coming into this space and going out. But we have been, and our entire team has been stick together to uh, achieve the vision because our vision was very strong. And uh, and yeah, so here we are. Um, and that is what I love about talking about Instagram whenever I sit with anyone into this oh. space. Awesome. That's that's pretty cool. So um, that's one of the most fun things for you. What has been one of the most difficult problems that you have always have you've had to solve? So one, perhaps as as a co-founder and CEO, and two, perhaps as a team in general. What has been one of the most difficult problems you've had to navigate and solve? So one of the difficult problem for me, as a, on the business perspective, of course. Because uh, it's a, nobody has done it what we are trying to do. So we cannot replicate that same 
journey with us. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's a it's a fast moving journey where we have to every steps we have to learn and repeat, learn and repeat, learn and repeat. Mm-hmm. Right. So saying in the world, saying learn and repeat sounds very easy, but doing mm-hmm. it makes you very exhausted. Because every time you do it, your energy is going to get lost, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that is something which I personally feel like that is something which we have to deal with and we'll be overcoming it. Uh, we, we have been doing it for the past three years, so it's fine. We are ready for the next six or seven years down the line also. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, coming to the second problem, biggest challenge which we are currently facing and we are on to it. Uh, it's uh, something called domain resolvers. So for example, xyz.com has to serve Zhash, which I was talking about. So it's not as easy as it sounds because in in Web2 world, you can just build it within hardly two weeks, three weeks. Uh, But in Web3, it becomes very quite tricky to build that because you have these decentralized ecosystems, their gateways, their whatnot. You have to pull the data in, serve the data to the users and that in a faster fashion, right? Because if you want to improve the user experience, you have to serve the data or serve the web application much faster. But our team has been working on that for the past six months now. They are very close to nailing it down. Mm. Uh, and we have, we are proud to say like one of our recent tests has reduced the load time of the web application from two seconds to around 300 milliseconds. Oh. That is what roughly I remember. So mm-hmm. uh, that basically means like we are close to web two people in terms of mm-hmm. providing that use, the same level of user experience of loading the web application. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's uh, that's impressive from three seconds to a couple milliseconds. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, I just like um, for shots to ask, I just one last question for, for, for us. Um, it's just a rather simple one. You know, what is that particular one question um, you wish we had asked, you know, because I assume there is something about this tech, there is something about the problem you're solving that is very exciting. I know I did ask you what is the fun thing, the interesting thing, the difficult thing, but uh, what would you say is one that one question that you look forward to being asked and talking about, you know, whenever it comes to Ferro, whenever it comes to Web3, even in general, that you um, like to just discuss and share some wisdom about? Uh, if it's like about only Sferon or I can share anything. Um, let's do both. We'll start with Sferon and if you have general wisdom, please go ahead. You know, you can never learn enough. So, <laughs> yeah, so in uh, at Sferon, I personally believe uh, the question I always talked about is, is see what Sferon is building. And when I say that, it basically means like the, uh, the milestones which we have set forward. Those milestones are crazy. And once those go live into, there will be a lot of things which developers are going to love about Israel and the entire ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So that is something which I wish you guys would have asked or somebody always uh, should should ask from founders, like what is their upcoming milestones and mm-hmm. how they are designed to, right? So ours are very interesting as, as designed to create this Firon as an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Prashad. Thank you so much for your time, for just, you know, coming out here and chilling with us and just uh, vibing here. It's been fun. Yeah, thank you so much, guys, for hosting me here. Bye.